Calgary is the same. They have lost so many certified teachers that they only have two schools teaching Filipino now. Anyone listening, consider going to education, especially if you are a Filipino speaker. here. Welcome to another episode of Unawa, our online conversational series that comes from the Filipino word that means to understand. We want to encourage Filipino youth and families to find common ground and understanding with each other and aid in the normalization of mental health in the Filipino community. Now, before we begin, we wish to acknowledge that the land in which we gather is Treaty 6 territory and a traditional meeting ground and home for many Indigenous peoples, including Cree, Salto, Naistapi, Blackfoot, Métis, and Nakota Sioux. In this episode, we want to explore barriers and the importance of advocacy of Filipino education in our city and province. Uh, we want to welcome back our guest, Tita Josephine Pallard. Again, Tita Josephine is an economic immigrant from Baguio City, Philippines, founded three prestigious nonprofit organizations in Edmonton, and she is currently the principal of the Filipino Language and Culture School of Edmonton, which was accredited in 2006 by Alberta Education in teaching grade 10, 11, and 12. We have J.R. Delara is a first-generation Filipino-Canadian and teacher with Edmonton Catholic Schools, currently in his sixth year of teaching. Mark Laraya is a Filipino and science third-year teacher at St. Oscar Romero High School, graduated from University of Alberta with a Bachelor's of Education, majoring in biology and a minor in chemistry. And at the Grace Alarcon Isla, University of Alberta graduate with over 25 years of teaching experience and a background in early literacy, curriculum development, education, resource acquisition, and English as a second language. So welcome everyone. Our first question for those who don't know, the history of Filipino language and culture education in Edmonton. How was it started? I think that's for me to say. Back in 1978, there's already a group of so many leaders here in Edmonton coming from all over the world, but most of them were Eastern European leaders. So they were from Ukraine, they were from Poland, they were from France, and so on. And there were only very few coming from Asia, and that's myself, Chinese, Vietnamese, and quite a few others. What we were talking about at the time was how can we really start bringing in our own heritage language program here in Edmonton? Because there were only two languages that were spoken when you go to school at that time, only French and English, nothing more, not Mandarin, no Spanish, nothing. So what we started, because we had quite a few influence on very highly professional people at the University of Alberta. Say, for instance, just like Dr. Olenka Bilash, who is really the, the major person, if we want to talk about heritage languages, to be really a speaker, if we want to have her. And some others that really said, there is a need for us not to lose our own culture. Because when I came to Canada, any of the students that I taught, because I've taught in Canada for the past 38 years, they said, we are looking at a certain kind of a law 
here in Alberta at the time that if you speak your language with your classmates who belong to the same country of origin, you are going to be fined a certain amount of money. So maybe five cents for every word that you would speak. That was my experience up in Lachlebesh, my first position as a teacher. And that was a place where there were so many Ukrainians. A few Filipinos were there. There were 10 of us Filipinos, but the rest were all different parts of the world. So they were not able to speak their own language among themselves in order to be able to understand the language. So then when I went back to the university, we gathered among ourselves the um, linguistic leaders of the university and we said, what are we going to do? Well, we have to start, number one, an organization that's going to really influence whatever's going on. So we started an organization in 1978 called Alberta Ethnic Language Teachers. And it was called IELTA at the time, which was changed into International and Heritage Languages Association in order to be able to be more inclusive. When we finished that in 1978, I sat down with the Filipino teachers that came to Canada with me and I said, what are we doing? This is now a certain kind of uh, a challenge among linguistic people at the university. Are we going to join them? And of course, they said, sure, because there were so many Filipino teachers that came at the time with us. And we were all teaching, despite the fact that we did not have a certificate. So we had a letter of authority in order to be able to teach. So then we said, we are teachers here, and we are watching many of the ethnocultural children not able to speak the language in school. Either they're going to be punished by the principal, or they're going to be fined a certain amount of money. So as Filipino teachers, we said, why don't we start a Filipino language program? So we started it, and we called it Kabataang Filipino Language School. That was the first one in 1979. As we progressed, we come to realize that it's not just kabataan. Okay? It's not just the youth that we're going to be teaching. Because being married to another culture, you are going to teach your own language. And he's going to teach his own language to your children. So what are we going to do? We're not going to fight. We're not going to say, my language is more superior than you are. I'm married to a French guy. And I'm not going to accept that because French is a national language, that my daughter will only be speaking French at home. I had to speak to her in the Filipino language as well. Okay, so all the teachers that were there said, let's start it. So we started, and the first, first students that we had were our own children. Before we knew it, it prospered quite easily that we now need a school. We only had one little room under, I can't even remember that church now, St. Anthony's was one of the churches where we started, but it was such a small area. So when we were able to have 50 students, we went to Bonnie Doon, which was then at the Bonnie Doon High School. We were there for quite a few years. We progressed, we progressed, we progressed. More and more and more students were coming. We transferred to the University of Alberta. But then in the late 1990s, the University of Alberta said, you are not going to be using the rooms unless you pay. And we said, oh, my goodness, the public school made use of us. 
or allowed us to use their building freely. So then we left the university. By so doing, we did not have enough room for many of the students. But then Alberta Education said, look, there are so many Filipinos that are coming to Edmonton. Why don't you start working on a curriculum in order to be able to make it accredited? So in 2000, we started working on accreditation. And at that time, we were able to get our certification as teachers. So two teachers from Calgary and four of us here in in Edmonton came together and we started working our first curriculum. But at that time, because the first language that was brought in other than French was Spanish, one of the first ones. So we were able to use the Spanish curriculum as our main resource, not knowing that at the same time in the Philippines, they're also talking about how can we use mother tongue in our own schools at the same time teaching the Filipino language and English language. So when we heard about that, we said, well, maybe we can ask books from the Philippines. Sure enough, they were able to give us resources in order to be able to have all the different grade levels. But because there were only six teachers that were certified at the time, we only said maybe we can start from grade four. And so the grade four curriculum was started. And the first school that taught grade four was St. Mark's and St. Clement's. Now, the problem that we had after that was the fact that the teachers that were teaching then at the time retired. And there were no more certified teachers. So we continued working just maybe a few students in as much as we can accommodate them. And our teachers that are certified were also going down because they were retiring. So what we did was to really work hard on the curriculum in the early 2000. And we finished it in 2006. Alberta Education looked at it and they said, hey, this is good. We will give you the credit of 15 units for grade 10, 11, and 12. And that's how history of our Filipino language and culture has evolved. So it was very difficult because right now, I'm so happy to see Mark and Jay as certified teachers, but we need them too in our heritage language program because Alberta Education said we will have to make a division make it a locally developed, which is community, and it's going to be called the Heritage Language Program, and the ones will be under the Catholic school division. Not one of the public school division has offered a school in order to be able to start Filipino language program. So maybe that's one of the challenges that we are going to put forward in order for us to advocate what we want So that's the history of the Filipino language here. Again, everyone was a volunteer. There was no compensation whatsoever to this very day. Every single teacher that went through the Filipino language, even if they are supposed to be paid $45 an hour, nothing. It was all voluntary because of the idea that we want to preserve and retain our Filipino language in the coming generation at the same time in our present generation. So we are moving on with Grace now as our coordinator and with you, Mark, Jay, and 
many others, maybe after listening to this, they might be able to come and say, okay, here we are, we can help. And maybe that's where we will have to strategize how we can move on with our Filipino language program. So that's how we started and we're looking forward. I didn't know about the history of the Filipino language and culture here. I thought it was just like, oh, someone developed it and then now it's being implemented. But now hearing from Dito Jose, like the history and like those challenges and how it was brought to me as a teacher inspired me to actually do better in terms of my language teaching. Not going to lie, there are moments where I'm like, oh my God, I'm teaching languages again next year and so on and so forth. The same thing. But now I have this like sense of encouragement right now, like from Tita Josie herself saying like, this is the history. You're now part of the history. So continue doing it. So yeah, and that's, I think one thing that I am also thinking about recently is how can I, as a teacher, try to encourage more youth to join the Filipino language and culture programs? And also how can we encourage our students to also become one? Because I think that's also one of the challenges that we have right now. A lot of the teachers back then got retired. I think I know one, Miss Sumalino, Virginia. I think mm-hmm. she was, yes, she was my Filipino teacher back at Romero. She retired mm-hmm. and someone replaced her and then she's um, now teaching somewhere else. So there's now no more Filipino uh, teacher here at Romero. So when they found it was, I can speak one, I was like, okay, I'll do it. But now hearing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm part of this. <laughs> And don't get too discouraged, Mark, because I had a couple of students that are now in university in education that went through Filipino. So it is coming. Um, Oh, my God. That's awesome. I know. I know. I'm like, we can be we can be mentor teachers because I was so recently like our principal sent us like this um, email like, oh, we need. Uh, mentor teachers for these languages. I'm like, where's a Filipino one? <laughs> I'm actually looking for one. I'm like, I want to be a mentor teacher, a Filipino uh, student teacher. But, but I like that. Like, that's there are some students that are on their way. Yes, yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually have something to add to that. I am actually the president of a nonprofit called Heart of Yeg Filipino Community. One of our members is actually going to be uh, graduating as a teacher, and she speaks uh, fluent Filipino as well. And I've told her about all of this. She's very interested in your pointers, JR, Mark, about telling the school when you get an interview that you speak Filipino language. Uh, she's She's been doing that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, the other hurdle really is we do have Filipino teachers with the Edmonton Catholic schools. The -hmm. problem is they don't speak Filipino. And that is where like a lot of principals are just, you know, we want to open it up. We have Filipinos here who are, I'm sure they will take that course, but they do not have the resources Mm -hmm. for teachers who actually could speak. And there are you know, Filipino teachers who they're like the first generation of Canadians born Mm -hmm. here, but has a little bit of that Filipino culture in them, but they're not, they don't want to take over and look at the curriculum and teach when they themselves do not have that acquisition, right? And I always tell them, you learn as you go. Like, you know, that's what teaching is. When you were (laughs) Yeah, we, when I said when I first started teaching, I made so much mistakes. I've been called to the principal's office, and that's just main teaching. I said it's the same thing. That's why the curriculum is there. You have a guide, right? So 
yes, we should encourage our students who are in high school. One of the venues would be this podcast, right? Um, hopefully, all these young adults going into education who has a little bit of Filipino um, language in them can springboard to teach. Like with the Filipino-Canadian Sarana Association, they can always come and observe classes or take the adult class. Um, I've got friends who are second generation born and they had no knowledge of speaking Filipino, but they want to learn now because like I said, part of the identity as well, right? So yeah. Anyone listening? Consider going to education, especially if you are a Filipino speaker <laughs> or language consultant. And I've been talking about it is one of the biggest hurdle too is there are no Filipino courses in university. And so if, for example, they go into education and they were to minor or major in a language, Filipino is not listed there. There is, I think, an other languages option, which uh, we're going to look into on how that works. But if they don't have that kind of, I guess, doorway to in university, it will be difficult. Maybe that's the next thing we can tackle is that uh, someone goes into university and starts those courses at U of A or other post-secondary institutions for that matter. Okay. Now, there's a good news here. Our Philippine Council General is really very impressed with the Filipino Canadian Serrano Association's Filipino Language and Culture. Mm-hmm. We had a meeting with him before Christmas, and he is inviting teachers, highly qualified linguistic teachers from the Philippines, to come and talk to us about our curriculum. Wow. Okay? And at the mm-hmm. same time, he said, maybe I will be talking to the University of Alberta if we can have a little kind of a hub for our Filipino language program, because now he is going towards nursing, knowing that there's a need for nurses. But maybe if we can say, how about as what Mark said, if there's maybe one one course that's saying teaching methodology on Filipino language, that would be good. And if we will be able to let our consul general know that there is an interest and that there's already five or six of us here, who are really qualified people to mentor the graduate students to become teachers of the Filipino language. That would be good. So maybe that will be grace one point that we can talk with our consul general when we meet the next time. And we will call all of you for that meeting for sure. And that's where the Calgary, because Calgary is the same. They have lost so many certified teachers that they only have two schools teaching Filipino now. They had more ahead of us before. So that's good. Amazing. There's so much good coming out of this conversation right now. Um, And I think all of the questions I was going to ask you just springboarded into it. But I do uh, have another one. How can people learn the language outside of school? Do you guys have resources? I know Saranai and such. Are there other ways or any resources that you can share with the audience so that they know where they can go if they did want to learn the language? Well, with Filipino language and culture school, that is one that is, I would say, outside of classes, because ours is on weekends, and we do have the kindergarten to grade 12. Our kindergarten to grade six right now is actually still online. 
but the grade seven to grade 12 are in person. And it's very encouraging because I'm getting calls from parents that their children had found out, and I don't know, I guess our pamphlets all over the place now, uh, that, you know, there's this course or there's this class that they want to go to. And sometimes when their friends say, oh, I go to Filipino class, it's like, oh, what is that, right? So we've got interest, just sometimes Sundays don't work for them or, or things, but then that that comes into value, right? What do you value the most? Do you value learning the language? So it, it always comes to your family value or what do you really want? And it's usually the parents. We always tell the parents, it's you who are going to be guiding them to take this course. And that's the thing, right? So, you know, all my kids don't want to learn it. I said, but you are going to make it an important part of your family values that you are going to learn this. It will yeah. still stem from the parent. Yeah, I was going to say that Tita Grace as well. Like it has to come from our parents as well. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a parent or anything, but it has to come because there are role models, right? So if they are forced, not forcing, but if they're encouraging um, <laughs> their children to speak Tagalog, or sorry, Filipino, sorry, I'm a Tagalog dialect, so I'm used to it, a Filipino language in the household, then the children get to pick up those little words as well. And actually, um, during the Christmas break, a lot of my students gave me like Amazon gift cards. So thank you students for giving that to me. Um, but I was able to actually grab so many children's book off Amazon. Like so many. There are so many children's book. Like there's one, Ako Ba'y Maliit. It's like, um, it's actually a book that was translated in so many languages, but there's a Filipino one now. There's another one where, Ang Giraffe Na Kumain Ang Buwan, The Giraffe That Ate The Moon. So there's those children's book that, parents could read to their children and then they pick up those small words as well right mm. so there's that's another way for them to also learn the language outside of classes yeah and i actually have a story about that i i too went to amazon mark yeah and i got flashcards and a book about filipino songs bahay kubo all of them and then i showed my nanai she's 94 and my my mom Yes, my grandma is still alive. She'll be 95 in February. Um, but they just had so much fun, like singing it with my kids, you know, and then thinking about like, oh, ano ulit yung, paano ulit yung tono niyan or whatever. Like, uh, how does that song go? You know, and like, it just, it brought them back to their childhood. Then they connected with my children and I just found that so wonderful. And with the flashcards, we actually have like, a poster where I change my son's diaper. So now he's always like, read Filipino. So he goes like, Lolo, Lola, Ate, Kuya. So yeah, there's a lot of resources, which I thought was so nice to see on Amazon. Yeah, so much. I think I got like 10 children's book that I'm going to yeah. read to my students now. I don't nice. care if they're in grade 10, 11 or 12. I'm going to read to them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, they, they they do enjoy it. Because uh, whenever I sub for like the older kids, all I know is elementary stuff. I do bring in those games. I bring in those books. And they are engrossed because now they can connect, right? They connect to those words. I know it. I'm smart, right? Now I know. Like, it gives them that confidence. So, yeah, bringing all those books into high school, bringing reading, music, singing, even movement into that, making, making all that connections 
is awesome. And because we live in a global world, we actually can have that access to buying. Like I've got so much books in here that my kids, like some of them are torn already because they're their favorites. We do have local authors as well in Canada that we want to promote. Another way that we can actually promote the language is going through the Edmonton Public Library. So what it is, is you can go to the Edmonton Public Library and say, these are the publishers that can send you books. And these publishers will have all the the list of books that you could have in your library. You know, graphic novels are a big hit. But yeah, it's it always surprises my relatives in the Philippines when they say, oh, you know, what can we send to with your dad when he's coming back? I'm like, oh, send me. And I have particular books that I want that you can't get from Amazon because I've researched it. It's from this publisher. And they're like, really? That's what you want? You don't want anything else? I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. I want books. I want poetry. I want, you know. So the last time my parents went traveling two years ago, it was mostly about the history of the Philippines and anthologies. Because you have your Jose Rizal's and, and all that, but we wanted something modern. And hopefully we'll have a budget, right, Tita Josie? <laughs> <laughs> It comes down to that money, right? Don't get started with budget as well. Same thing with us. It's about the budget. <laughs> Always about the budget. Always about the budget. <laughs> Another thing we can really use, and that's what our school is doing, is the promotion of music. That's one. Even if they don't want to learn the language, our music directors are teaching them our repertoires in Filipino. At the same time, they're learning how to say the words. And we're also looking at a choral group. We know we have the choral Filipino, but they're more really just into singing. But if you bring some of these adults to our uh, organization, they will start learning not just to sing the Filipino language, but also conversing at the same time. So the music, the singing, and the dancing. And of course, the history. These are all what entail the culture that we do other than the grammar, the grammatical part of the language. So that's the way we can really work together with Mark and JR in your own schools. Yes, Dina Josie, we're uh, actually going to reach out to you very soon as Edmonton Catholic Schools will be starting up a Filipino Heritage Month in June. And so we would like to work together, um, even you, Grace, we'd like for you guys to be a part of it. And so um, Oscar Romero, Sistanata Brockman, Holy Trinity and Holy Family, those uh, schools that have the Filipino language and culture program, we will be kind of just working together to promote the Filipino Heritage Month uh, within our division. Okay, because when I was teaching, I was able to bring in my own school a multicultural month where most of our diverse students are showing their culture. And when it was the Filipino, I also brought the Filipino rondalia and showing them our food. So that was part of the culture that we had in our schools. You can start that in your own schools. Yes, definitely. We will be there. Can I add on to the resources? (laughs) I just have something. um, I promote this publisher Mm -hmm. a lot. And I think they're based in Singapore. And this is what we use for our Filipino language and culture program because it 
basically goes along with the uh, curriculum that we have and it goes through all the thematic units. We're not paid by these guys, but they have really good resources. Tuttle Publishing, T-U-T-T-L-E. So I think maybe um, at the April, like the resources you got, the flashcards and whatnot, it's probably from this publisher. So they have books such as like Bundesal Saves the Day. It's an activity book all about the Philippines, the uh, flashcards. They have Filipino ghost stories. There's so many different things and they're actually really good. So it ranges from like all the way from beginner to advanced. Also, the resources kind of go hand in hand. Like you can get one of the books and then it will tie in with another one. And there's also like audio practices, which is very important when you're learning a language. That's why uh, we use this a lot within our Filipino program. JR, call the Edmonton Public Library so that they can actually bring this in as well. I think a lot of um, a lot of their books, are, they have some already. But yeah, no, definitely maybe looking into maybe getting whatever they have. Yeah, because for us, we are not part of a school system. We're considered private and standalone. Um, most of our parents, we send them to the public library. And like when we weren't um, online and they were in person, we will have a parent day where they come in and they look at the books and, and things like that. Order kids will show them, this is my favorite book, right? So things like that. Um, and a lot of them are old. Some of the publishers are even gone. Yeah, so we want something new. Um, I haven't gotten my, a chance to speak with the Edmonton Public Library because their main branch um, had gone through a different, a, a switch of administration. So they kind of held off on that. Then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so uh, all about the pandemic, right? Wow, so much sponsorship from Amazon and Total Publishing. <laughs> like, send us stuff. Thank you. You can actually request, <laughs> Grace, uh, Tita Josie, you guys can actually request examined desk copies from them. And they will oh. receive, like, I don't know if you remember, Mark, when we had that meeting and I had a whole box of books, that was free. That They sent that. Um, but if you go to the website, you can request some uh, desk copies. And, that, and that's the thing, too. I think just as educators of Filipino language, I think we'll need to have to meet. And I've been kind of wanting to do this for a long time. And yeah, we'll have to meet up and kind of put our brains together because Really, the curriculum, although, you know, thank you, Tita Josie, for making it. I think it needs a lot of improvements. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. Yeah, so, and then because I'm a early literacy specialist, we want to finish this. We want to finish the, from kindergarten all the way to grade 12. And I think the only way we could do this is making sure that all the teachers who are already in the field to come together and say, we want this finished. We want it improved as well. All right. Well, I think everyone already touched on this, but just to close off the conversation and to uh, give more information to the viewers, how can they get involved and what can they do to support the work that you're all doing? Well, send our kids to the Filipino language program. <laughs> I was right. going to say that. <laughs> yeah. So Ati Grace and Tita Josie, what's your website? Do you have Instagram or Facebook, anything like that? Uh, let everyone know so everyone that's watching this can go check you out and hopefully register their kids or themselves. Ooh. So oh, yeah. the website is www.philcan, F-I-L-C-A-N, Saranai, S-A-R-A-N-A-Y, association.com. So if you type in Saranai, S-A-R-A-N-A-Y, our um, website will come up. We are also on Facebook, 
Instagram. We have a great IT youth group that handles all this. So it's all voluntary, but but yeah, send your kids to us and um, we will have the future of Filipino language. Under the leadership of this young generation. <laughs> Right? Yes. yes. For sure. For us, for Mark and I, we yes. are with Edmonton Catholic Schools. So with Mark, he's at Oscar Romero at Holy Trinity. So we have a three-year program, which is basically grade 10 to 12. And yes. um, in the other schools that we have, we have a nine-year program, which is from grade four to grade yes. nine. And that's at Sister Anata Brockman. And I know Holy Family has just started kind of just for junior high for now, they said. So they're kind of just developing it. There's another Filipino teacher there. Um, and so hopefully they start to continue that. And there will be four schools again with Edmonton Catholic Schools with the Filipino Language and Culture Program. I'm sorry for the shameless plug, but Mr. <laughs> underscore Lariah is my teacher Instagram. So I feature lots of my classes there. Like whenever we play Filipino games, Filipino dances, we do something Filipino classes, it's always there. So if, if you actually want to see pictures of what actually goes on in Filipino language class, go to my Instagram. <laughs> I'm going to do yeah. the same. <laughs> so if you go to that Filipino teacher, and the reason why I went with that is when I first started Holy Trinity, they're like, oh, that Filipino teacher. And I ever since then, I was known as that Hi. Filipino teacher because I was one of the first ones. Now we have about four or five Filipino teachers, but they don't really speak Filipino. We talked about that already. Yes. So yeah, head on to my Instagram and you can see what takes place at our Filipino language and culture program at Trinity. That's great. And then can we just also have for the Filipino speaking teachers watching, where can they go to get more information if they want to help advocate for this or they want to teach a Filipino uh, language class with Saranai or with your schools, how do they get involved? Where can they go? Can they message you? Can they email you? Yeah, yeah they can our, easily um, message us. Yeah. <laughs> message you on Instagram. That's the easiest yeah. one. And then, of course, from with Saranai, message us. There is a contact us uh, in the bottom there, and we usually respond within 24 hours. The admins do that, and then they spread it out to whoever. So if it's education... <laughs> It goes to myself and Tita Josie. And then they can volunteer. I think uh, immersion in the culture is one thing that is a benefit for them. So like I said, even if you speak a little bit of Filipino, immersion in that culture will actually help you because, you know, when you hear your surroundings, your brain automatically picks up on it. And yeah, contact us. And if there are certified teachers, I will hand them over or message our... <laughs> Now that we know our Edmonton Catholic Filipino language mentors. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for joining us. All this information, I, I'm so excited to share these two episodes. I feel like there's something coming and it's going to be huge. And everyone, it feels like they're waking up to wanting to learn the, the culture, the Filipino language and and what we do uh, as, as a people, as a culture. So this is super exciting for me and all of us at uh, Tayo as well. Um, so thank you so much for joining us and for our guests for being with, with us again today and sharing your knowledge. Uh, again, please like, 
And if you have any questions, again, suggestions, write it in the comments or in our uh, anonymous form. You can fill that out and give us any suggestions uh, that you want to see in our next episode. And don't forget, again, that we are on Spotify. Thank you very much, everyone. And uh, I really appreciate you guys being here and for all the work you do. I'm so, so, so excited. Thank you so much. Special shout out to the Filipino Senior Citizens Association for providing the Zoom room and Joseph Flores for editing the YouTube version. You guys are awesome.